Welcome to episode 84 of the Australian Hiker podcast. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This week's episode, we're going to be discussing considerations relating to hiking in hot weather. Before we get started, we'd like to update you on a few things we've been doing over the past few weeks, as well as let you know what's happening over the next month. As most of you will be aware, in August and September of this year, I did a through hike of the Bevelman Track. So five weeks, 1,000 kilometres, and six weeks after the end of the hike, I'm still finding it a bit of a struggle to get back into a a, a normal routine. Uh, I haven't quite gotten off the track, so to speak. That's for sure. (laughs) So um, in this uh, uh, next few weeks, I'm actually going to be uh, releasing an article on the impacts, both the mental and the physical impacts of long distance hiking. The other thing that will be coming up over the next few weeks is in November, Australian Hiker Turns 2. Woohoo! Now, as part of that, we have a few things happening over the next month, and that's going to include a revamp of the podcast, and that's actually starting in this episode where we're using new equipment. So you'll have to forgive us if uh, if things sound a bit different. We're still getting used to some new technology. We'll also be over the next three to four episodes changing some of our sound effects, getting our, our regular segments sorted out, uh, and trying to improve the listening experience. Also, as part of our birthday celebrations, just as we did last year, we're going to be running some competitions throughout November, uh, and the details of those will be announced in the November newsletter, which will be released on the 1st of uh, next month. If you haven't already done so, make sure you sign up to the newsletter through our website at australianhiker.com.au or through Facebook to take advantage of these prize opportunities that will be coming up. So let's get on to this week's topic. It's now mid-spring in Australia, and for many of us, we're approaching the hottest time of the year. Now, there's nothing wrong with uh, hiking in the heat, uh, but there are some things you need to consider to stay safe and to ensure that you enjoy what you're doing while you're out on the track. And in this episode, we're going to look at what those considerations are. The first of these considerations is checking the weather. Now, this is a really something you're going to be doing on every hike, regardless of the time of the year. But um, as I said, many of us tend to associate uh, hot weather with summertime, but that's not always the case. And as an example for that, in 2016, we hiked the Larapinta Trail uh, in Central Australia, and we had two days over 30 degrees with a, a, a number of other days in the high 20s, and that's Celsius. So get into the habit of checking the weather forecast, regardless of where you are, um, and particularly for the days where you think it's going to be exposed or you know it's going to be hot. It's interesting that you think, um, you know, late 20s, high 20s, maybe 30 degrees is not too hot, Um, but it does depend 
depend on the landscape that you're in and in particular on uh, Lara Pinta, uh, those days where it was very hot, or it certainly felt very hot, um, there was no shade. So there was no relief from it. You, you know, when we stopped, we were um, taking breaks in the sun and, uh, you know, we we couldn't find, you know, even the smallest of tree to 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 shelter under. Yeah, and and it's really um, uh, it really is quite uh, uh, quite uh, hard when you can't get out of the the sun. Uh, and if you go to the show notes, we'll uh, put the links to the Larapinta Trail hike, and if, you can see how exposed it can be, and particularly on the day, in particular, what we're talking about. The second thing you want to go through and look and look at is planning a hike. And again, this is another one of those sort of things where you really should be planning every hike, but it's more critical when you are going to be in a hot sort of environment. So choose a, a suitable hike based on what the weather forecast is. Now, this might mean that if the forecast is for 30 or 35 or even 40 degrees, you might be doing a shorter distance hike or you might be hiking in the cooler parts of the day. If possible, as we said, choose sites that have plenty of shade on offer, uh, but that's not always the case. Um, uh, but it might be also a matter of choosing to hike in um, or do hikes that have valleys or have protection from uh, uh, the sun uh, through cliff faces or something like that. So as an example, in through the Blue Mountains or uh, in some of the valleys throughout our local area in Namaji National Park. The third thing to look at is hike early, hike late, and hike very late. If you're hiking during hot weather, try and avoid the hottest parts of the day. Uh, and certainly in most parts of Australia, our maximum temperatures tend to reach their peak at around about 2 to 4 p.m. in the afternoon. Uh, although it can still be pretty intense, even by mid-morning. Now, when we talk about hike early, um, one of the advantages of hiking in summertime is that it gets gets light quite early in the day. Um, so certainly when I know it's going to be a day over 30 degrees or even in the high 20s, I'll often uh, be driving to the hiking site uh, while it's still dark, arriving at the car park just on uh, daylight, uh, and at that time, I can I can avoid most of the heat. And certainly, I had a couple of hikes like that last year, where I was avoiding um, uh, the the temperature forecast was in the high thirties, uh, but I'd actually started hiking at around about six thirty in the morning, finished by sort of nine, and the temperature had only just sort of hit twenty degrees, so it avoided most of the hot weather. In regards to hiking late. Um, as we said, most of the really intense heat for much of Australia is between that 2 to 4 p.m. in the afternoon. So try and hike after that. Now, this is still means, particularly during some of the hotter parts of the year, that even sort of in 5 o'clock or 5.30, it still can be 30 degrees Celsius or above. But by avoiding the most severe part or the severe um, sun exposure, um, it can be a bit more comfortable than hiking in the hottest part of the day. And then we're talking about hiking very late, and what we mean by this is hiking at night time. So depending on your experience, how well you know the area, your equipment, and the amount of light generated by either the moon, 
uh, or the, the headlight you're carrying, night hiking is a good option. And I love night hiking and will do so at any, any opportunity, providing it's safe. The next thing to consider is covering up. Now, for me, I tend to be a bit of a rarity as far as what I wear when I'm hiking. Most people I see when I go hiking will often be wearing shorts, uh, even though they could be wearing long gaiters, uh, and they'll be wearing a T-shirt. Um, and I used to do that uh, a number of years ago, but having spent a majority of my life working outdoors um, uh, as, a, as a tradie, I um, uh, got used to the habit of wearing long sleeve shirts. And that was for a number of reasons. Um, when your skin's exposed to the sun, uh, you lose a lot of moisture through the skin itself through dehydration. So although as it might sound a bit counterintuitive, wearing a long sleeve shirt, providing it's a lightweight, not a heavyweight sort of uh, garment, uh, will minimize the amount of dehydration or the amount of water you're going to be losing. Um, I also don't want to get sunburned as well. So um, wearing a long sleeve shirt is going to minimize that, that issue. And for me, the long sleeve shirt is um, particularly one with a collar um, uh, to cover the back of the neck um, is is really because I just find I can't put enough sunscreen on, enough block out on uh, to keep the sun off. Um, and even when you do, you still get quite, quite hot and uh, quite toasty. So um, I might... Um, Hike in hot weather in shorts, but I I will often have a a light shirt to cover up with, um, particularly in the afternoon hours. And when we're talking about clothing as well, um, I love black as a colour, uh, and certainly if I'm going out or even going to work, it's not unusual for me to be wearing a black coloured top. Uh, but certainly it's not my choice when I'm hiking, particularly if it's a hot day, because that will generate quite a lot of heat. So wearing light-coloured clothing, uh, either a lighter greys or white's possibly not most the most practical colour. It can get a bit dirty, uh, but certainly the lighter colour is a better way to go. Except when you're in uh, Europe and you're mountaineering on Mont Blanc and, and uh, for some reason Aussies and New Zealanders wear dark-coloured clothing, so much so that the guides can recognise us. I don't know why. <laughs> um Covering up also includes covering your head. Now, if you've seen a photo of me, you realise I don't have much hair. It's been a number of years that I've had a, a head of hair. Was that much much hair? <laughs> yeah, I think it's still there, but you've just, oh. got, to look, you've just got to look closely. Yeah, very closely. Um, but I, again, for me, I um, it's so easy to get a sunburned scalp and ears. And for those of you that don't have any hair, you know that can be quite painful. So I will wear a buff. I'll also wear a cap in, in hot weather. Um, and if it's really a hot conditions, I'll wear a broad-brimmed hat. So I tend to um, go between two different types of hats depending on the time of the year and depending on whether it's raining or not. Um, but, um, yeah, it's uh, certainly nice to get a bit of shade. Um, the other thing with covering up is um, it's something you, most people tend not to think about is the backs of the hands. Uh, so uh, I, it, it's something I still haven't gotten come to grips with. Um, I'm used to getting uh, burnt hands, if you like, 
And, you know, if you're covering up and the only part of your, the, the body that's exposed is the backs of your hands, you'll find that you'll have these, what, what they call a, a tradies suntan, where you have these small areas of, uh, of exposed skin that gets sunburnt. Or, you know, if you're wearing shorts, you end up with the bottom of your legs burnt or, or tanned and the rest of you white. But certainly the hands, um, it, you can either wear um, sunscreen or some sort of covering to actually keep the, the heat off the backs of your hands as well. You can actually get removable sleeves um, that will come up and sit under a, a T-shirt um, sleeve, but will go down and cover most of your hands. So they've got a little thumb that you can put your thumb thumb hole that you can put your thumb through. So that also helps, and I do that sometimes as well. Um, socks and footwear are just as important. Um, many people still prefer to hike in boots, and if that's how you roll, that's fine. I prefer to wear lightweight trail runners. It, it is rare that I wear boots, but I do do it occasionally. Uh, and particularly in the summertime, I like to wear a trail runner that's breathable. Um, I have a preference for wearing woolen socks, um, but in most of the year, even during wintertime, I'll wear a reasonably lightweight woolen sock because keeping my feet warm is usually not a, a problem. But um, when you think about blisters, uh, blisters on your feet in particular usually involve friction, heat and moisture. So wearing a, a pair of socks that's too heavy in the middle of summer um, is certainly going to generate heat and moisture. And if you're walking enough, there comes the friction and that's where and blisters tend to develop. So get into the habit of wearing the correct footwear, both socks and footwear, particularly during the hotter weather. Um, as an example of this, I um, one of the pairs of shoes that I wore for a number of years was the Solomon uh, XA3D Pros, and I would wear the Gore-Tex version in wintertime to keep the moisture off my feet and the non-Gore-Tex breathable version during the hotter months. Um, but these days it tends to be more... Uh, simply just the, the breathable non-Gore-Tex version does me most of the time. Covering up also includes protecting the eyes uh, and wearing sunglasses. Um, not all hikers tend to wear sunglasses. Uh, and as I said, I've worked outside for most of my life. Uh, and as a result, if you see me with my sunglasses off, I've got quite wrinkly eyes from squinting. And that's even with wearing sunglasses, but just being out in an open and exposed environment. Uh, and we're actually going to be doing an episode on sunglasses and eye protection and hiking um, in an upcoming episode uh, over the next month. So keep an eye out for that. Next thing to consider is hydration. Now, regardless of the time of the year, you should always drink plenty of water on a hike. The hotter the weather, the more you need to drink. Now, in cooler months, I'll drink on average about one litre every 10 kilometres of distance. Uh, and at the average speed that I tend to travel, that's roughly about one litre every two hours to two and a half hours, depending on the terrain. In hot weather, and this is when we're trying to get above probably 25, particularly above 30 degrees, I'll drink one litre per hour. And that will equate to roughly two and a half litres for every 10 kilometres. Now, the longest day's hike that I've done um, in um, a couple of years ago was a 58-kilometre day. And on that day, uh, it was in the mid-30s uh, at the hottest part of the day, and I drank eight and a half litres of water. 
Um, I went to the bathroom quite a lot that day. Uh, I sweated quite a lot, uh, but um, I didn't get dehydrated at all. But that was the volume of water I needed to drink. The interesting thing about um, having to drink a lot of water or or um, enough water um, on a hot day is that when you've got a bladder, that's a lot of sips on your bladder. You know, you've really got to be uh, consistently and consciously doing it um, and not just waiting waiting for your breaks. Um, you can't physically take in that much water um, in a short space of time. And if, you, um, if you've got a water bottle and you tend to guzzle, um, then you probably will end up not feeling so well. So it is a, a lot of... Um, consistent, smaller uh, intakes of water that you need. One thing that most people don't tend to think about when they think about hydration is that it is actually possible to drink too much water. Um, I remember a couple of years ago on the um, Kokoda track in Papua New Guinea, there was a hiker that died from drinking too much water. Uh, Usually most people think the more water the better, uh, and in most cases that's a good thing. But as I said, it is possible to drink too much water and it can have serious health impacts to the point of actually, as I said, there have been deaths. So a good gauge, and this is probably too much information for most people, is use urine colour. I mean, if your urine is too dark, um, it's probably an indication you're not drinking enough water. It's definitely an indication. definitely an indication. (laughs) If it's too light, yeah, if it's the middle of summer and your urine looks like water, um, it may be an indication you're probably drinking a bit too much. One thing that also impacts on dehydration is um, drinking alcohol. Uh, I tend not to drink when I'm going on hikes, particularly longer hikes, but certainly if I know I'm going to be hiking on a hot day the next day, I won't drink the night before because that will actually dehydrate the system. One tip I'd actually suggest here is if you are coming back to the car at the end of the day, leave a couple of spare litres of water in your car just in case you've run short. You know, the water's going to be hot, particularly if it's in the, in the boot of a car, but Having water to drink, even warm or hot water, is better than being dehydrated and and having to have an hour's drive before you can top up your water again. You can also look at adding things like hydrolyte, uh, which is an electrolyte powder or tablets, to your water supply, uh, and that can help replace the mineral salts uh, that you're losing as you um, as you sweat. The next step to consider is learning to recognize the negative impacts of heat. So we talked about things to consider um, to try and minimize uh, things like um, sunburn and dehydration, but learning how to recognize those. Most people will have been sunburned at some point in their life, um, but rather than waiting till you're actually sunburned, do you actually recognize that, oh, hang on a sec, my hands are starting to feel a bit funny or a bit hot or they're you know, feeling a bit itchy? Am I getting sunburned? Dehydration. Normally, the most common symptom of dehydration um, is something like a headache. Uh, and by the time you've got that headache, you're already dehydrated. So it's better to um, keep an eye on it and try and prevent it all up. Taking it a step further, heat exhaustion and heat stroke. Um, Heat exhaustion, um, the main issue can be that you're losing focus, you're not paying attention, uh, and as a result, you can can not 
be looking where you're going. You might get lost. Uh, you might actually trip over uh, or fall over when you're not uh, not focusing on what you're doing. Um, that can co- uh, lead to injury if you're not careful. Heat stroke, which can be life-threatening. Um, and really, this is when you're, you're starting to look at uh, uh, causing uh, calling emergency services once you've got heat stroke. Um, it's um, really, you should never get to that sort of situation, but it's a matter of keeping an eye on both yourself and your hiking partner if you do actually have one. Uh, and being aware of what the first aid for those situations are. And as part of that, we're going into a, an environment where you may or may not be hiking by with, with somebody else. You might be in a remote area. Uh, having a first aid certificate is really something that all hikers should consider. And in fact, all people should consider really. But particularly for those of us that are going out into remote areas, it's definitely considered this to be a an essential rather than an option. When you are hiking in hot uh, weather conditions, look at taking a break. Now, that means that you're likely to be hiking um, slower than you normally would do, and you might have to adjust your hiking plans as a result. But if the weather conditions are really hot, try and avoid hiking during the hottest part of the day. Now, there was a um, a post on Facebook that I noticed over the last uh, few days, uh, just as I was preparing for this podcast, and people are asking about, is it possible to hike on the Larapenta Trail in the middle of summer? And it, and it certainly is. There is nothing stopping anybody from doing that. Having said that, though, um, there are service providers uh, in Alice Springs that do cater for people who want to do hikes on the Larapenta Trail during the middle of summer, but they only let people who are really experienced do it. They are fairly... Um, ruthless in the conditions they impose on you about when you hike and what equipment you're carrying, uh, and they check on you on a fairly regular basis. Um, and you know, and one of the things they say is you start hiking early, and you might be hiking at four thirty, five o'clock in the morning, um, hiking through till about ten o'clock, eleven o'clock maybe, taking a break until probably three thirty, four uh, in the afternoon, and then hiking a few more hours before you stop. That's an interesting thing about your planning because what you're doing is you're um, you're really stringing out the day. Um, you're having that break in the middle. Um, so so while you might be doing a similar time frame or distance, um, you're you you're starting earlier and finishing late. Now, the next thing to consider is be fire ready. So typically. The hottest part of the year uh, is when fires can tend to occur. So if you look at um, things like the Bibbulmun Track, which I've gone through and done recently, they recommend you don't hike between roughly mid-November through to around about the end of March. The Hyson Trail in South, um, uh, South Australia, uh, an, another one of Australia's long trails, they actually close the trail during the hottest part of the year. And partly that's from a safety reason, but it's also, it's a high fire risk area. Uh, and if they've got people out on the track and don't know where they are, it makes it really difficult. So look at what's happening in relation to fires. Um, and even if you're hiking 10 or 20 kilometers away from a fire, if the wind changes and starts blowing towards you, fires can move very quickly. And whereas you might have started hiking out at the beginning of the day, being well away from a fire area, all of a sudden you're in the middle of the area. 
So pay close attention to where you are uh, and what the impact that will have on you. In Christmas 2017, we uh, hiked the Kangaroo Island Wilderness Trail uh, and due to the fire conditions there, um, we were told by the ranger that no fires of any type, including stoves, gas stoves, were allowed. So we hadn't really catered for that, so we learnt what freeze-dried food rehydrated with cold water tasted like. Yeah, some of them were not so good. <laughs> some of them were okay, but some of them, I wouldn't want to do it for a long time. Now, that only lasted for two days, but again, it's a, it's a consideration that we hadn't had to deal with before. So be, be aware of what to do if fires do come through and where, if you need to get off the trail, what your options are. Apart from bushfires, the other thing about hot weather is hot weather tends to be snake season. Uh, now, Australia has a number of highly venomous snakes, and I think we've got the lion's share of the, the top 10 venomous snakes in the world. Uh, and any time it gets the weather starts to warm up, really you should be keeping an eye out for snakes. But particularly during the hotter months, expect to see them. So regardless of the temperature, you should always be scanning the trail ahead of you. Um, and knowing what the first aid for uh, snake bite is. So it brings us back to knowing the first aid uh, and knowing what you should do and who you should call. Uh, and again, if you're in a remote area, this means you might have to set off your locator beacon. Um, and do you have a locator beacon or does your phone work? Uh, and again, I'd suggest through here that if you're going into an area where you know you don't or you think you may not have phone signal and you can't call for emergency help, that's where you need to have an emergency locator beacon. So all said and done, there's really nothing wrong with hiking during the heat as long as you're adequately prepared and adequately equipped. If the conditions are too extreme, don't be afraid to pull the pin on the hike. Now, this might mean you plan to go on a hike tomorrow, you wake up, the conditions for forecast are so bad, or it's a high fire danger. Just look at of changing a hike, going somewhere else, or not hiking altogether. Um, or it may mean you may need to change what you're planning on doing. So you might have planned on going out hiking mid-morning, uh, and the forecast is such that you may need to start early in the morning and get the hike out of the way. And as I said, your safety is the most important thing. Um, so don't be afraid to pull the pin either before you start hiking or even during the day, stopping and turning around earlier than you'd actually planned. Uh, I think that's a really good point to finish on, Tim, because, you know, sometimes we get a bit uh, carried away about uh, we've done the preparation work and we're all ready to go and we need to do this but um, you know for most of us it's supposed to be fun it's supposed to be something that's um, interesting um, if the conditions are too harsh for whatever reason then it's not going to be any of those things now we're getting on to the first of our new segments for the Australian Hiker podcast and that's hiking hacks now, the aim of this segment is to provide you with some low-cost hacks, in the most case, that provide alternatives to you buying more gear or filling the gap where the gear doesn't exist. And hopefully these hacks can help to improve your hiking experience 
and without breaking the bank in most cases. Now, today's hack is about improving a wet weather experience, and it's going to cost you less than a dollar. Now, I regularly walk in the rain, and it's rare that wet weather will get me off the trail, but in doing so, I want to be as comfortable and as dry as I can. And for a number of years, I was finding that during heavy rain and strong winds, the hood of my wet weather jacket, which would be almost hugging my face, I'd get the water being driven into my face, and as a result, I was losing focus, and I wasn't being particularly comfortable. And this is potentially putting myself at risk because I'm just not paying attention to the trail. The first step in this process was um, involved me wearing a peak cap under my rain jacket, and this fixed a lot of the issue. It kept the water out of my face, but I'd find in heavy rain that the water would soak through the peak and up into the cap itself, and I'd end up with a wet head. I'd also find that if it was fairly windy, that the, it wouldn't stop the rain from blowing into my face. So um, I started to think about what the options and what the alternatives were. And this is where the hack component comes in. And I thought something that to me was obvious that I just hadn't actually tried before was to use a fold back clip or a bulldog clip uh, to clip the front of the rain jacket to the front of the peak on the cap. And again, if you go through and go to the show notes, I'll put a link to this hack in there so you can have a look what it looks like. Uh, and in doing this, this created a porch um, and also extended the uh, hood of the jacket out to the sides of the face and kept the majority of the rain off my face. So on my recent Bibbulmun track hike, I had a few days where I had torrential rain combined with 100 kilometer hour wind gusts and this worked really well for me. And in fact, I continued to use it through the majority of the hike uh, on a 32 days of hiking where only eight days weren't raining. Um, so as I said, for the sake of a, a dollar's worth of fold, a foldback clip, and this is a 19 mil foldback the clip that I use, uh, it really did help. Uh, and, and, uh, and it may not work with every style of jacket, but for the sake of a dollar, it's worth giving it a try. So I'm going to try a little bit more of a, a stylish version of this and and check out one of those um, sliding paper, uh, sliding clips that you can get, the, the kind of modern style, not the paper clip one, but the one um, that has the mechanism inside. So we'll see how that goes and see if mine A, looks better um, and B, works better. Okay, we've hoped you've enjoyed this episode and it's provided some useful tips to keep you safe when hiking in hot weather, whatever the time of the year that may be. In episode 85, due out in two weeks' time, we're going to be talking about Australia's iconic hiking trails under 150 kilometres. And these are the well-known trails that grab people's attention when they're thinking about hiking in Australia and are some of the most heavily used trails. So if you're thinking about undertaking a multi-day hike that's within your reach, then this is the episode for you. As always, you can listen to this podcast through the Australian Hiker website at www.australianhiker.com.au, through Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud and iTunes. If you have the chance, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes to help get the message out there. That's all for this week. Bye for now. And bye from me.